Good afternoon, friends. Welcome to the happy hour edition of the Patrick Lally Show on another grand and glorious afternoon in the best little city in America. That is, of course, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And we're going to spend a couple hours here on the show engaged in some energetic and entertaining conversation on local, state, and national news and politics. We're going to talk about sports, some recreation, and some environment, some environmental issues that we have before us, so you're going to want to stay close. Uber producer Dan Peters is in studio. Thank goodness. Thanks for spending some time with us today through your radio at Information 1000 KSOO, driving around out there, I would imagine, and uh, having, a, having a lovely day of it. Maybe you're on KSOO.com. You got the live stream up at work, and that's fantastic. You're uh, tooling around. You got your KSO mobile app going. The one, the only, the branded KSO mobile app with its one-touch streaming, as well as updates from all the staff here at Results Radio, whether it's news, commentary, weather, all of the good stuff. Uh, I was going to say, remember, you can always follow us along on Facebook Live, but I've just lost my, I've just lost my connection. Let, uh, eh, eh, I'm going to have to get that fixed. Can't follow along on Technical Facebook. Technical difficulties, please stand yeah. by. You know, I think this area out here by uh, Results Radio suffers from some uh, internet connectivity overload. Uh, that's a technical term that I just came up with in the later afternoon hours. That is something that we find quite common. I, I, and I think there's there might be theories about how mm-hmm. that all happens, but but I think in this area there seems to be some some heightened activity during yeah. this time of day. Somebody is sucking down the data. That's what it comes down to. That's that's my theory. I have a lot of theories, but that's that's my one on this because man, we've been we've been getting drilled lately on the connectivity. But anywho, you can still get us at Twitter, P Lally Show, P L A L L E Y S H O W, if you want to throw us a chat, what have you. Uh I had uh, a really uh, uh, singular experience uh, a couple days ago, Dan. I think it was Wednesday. Wednesday, right? So it's June, and my last name starts with an L. So that means it's time for me to renew me tags on the car, which I hate to do anyway because I just I hate I hate car expenses. But that's that's it's just part of life. You got to do it, and we get away really cheap here in South Dakota. But uh, I missed the deadline for doing it by mail, which is always the best way to do it. It is. Because then it comes to your home. But somebody told me about this, and I didn't know. I guess I'm stupid. I don't answer that. No, no, no. You're, <laughs> you're, you're, you're uh, ill-informed. I was ill-informed on this particular issue. You can just go to the get-and-go over on East 10th, and I know they have these things elsewhere. I walk up to this machine at the get-and-go, and look it's right next to the cash machine there. And it's a South Dakota DOT machine. And I walk up. I put my, what did I have to put in there first? Oh, I just had to uh, uh, say, you know, go. And then I just took my driver's license out, turned it over. It's got that big, weird-looking collection of pixels on the back. Black and white, you know, like a barcode situation, but it's not a barcode. It's, it's a, not a QR code It's more either. like a big, wide QR code. Yeah, there you go. But it's different. And you just hold it up underneath there. And then it uh, asks you a couple questions. Is this your car? You go, yeah. How many wheels does it have? Uh, four. And uh, put your credit card in there. There it was. My title, my registration, and my stickers. No, that is, yeah. No standing in line down at uh, the county administration building for hours on end. No, you know, fussing, no fighting. Just a trip to the old get and go. And that is really a boon to the people who live just on the south side of 57th Street. Yeah. Because all they have to do is just go to that machine. They don't have to go all the way to Canton to do that. See, this is amazing to me. I'm sure I heard about it. I'm sure it's been out there for a while, okay? It probably didn't put them in yesterday. But uh, if they can do that with government services, imagine the range of things that you can do with your driver's license. 
and how important protecting your driver's license is. Yes, that is very important, Dan. Thanks for pointing that out. Because I think about the times when you have to hand over your driver's license through the pneumatic tube that goes (laughs) to the banker on the other side of the glass. You just hope that, okay, that driver's license has got to make it back. But they always got to put it in the envelope because they don't want it roaming free in that that tube and don't want it to get caught in the sucker there. So get it uh, vacuum-packed inside their apparatus. So you get it back and you got to feel that envelope. Okay, it's in there. I can go now. You know, the, you know, it's where, that's what makes your driver's license so important, which is why going to the drivers, the DOT, the DMV is horrific because now, because of all the security measures that are in that little card, and it's impressive from the old days, uh, you have to have a lot of ID and all these different things when you go to get, renew your driver's license. The last time I went, I was very fortunate. I just happened to have the documents with me just by happenstance. Uh, you know, two forms of uh, things with your address. I just happen to have that stuff with me. But uh, getting things changed down there is still a problem. But once you get that bad boy, if you can get your registration and your t- and your tags for your car from a little, you know, kiosk, ugh, the possibilities are endless, Dan. I do not think they're going to put retina scans at the get-and-go. I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. It might be too expensive to have too many of those little kiosks. Yeah, that's true. But I tell you what, my phone has facial recognition on it now. It's not even the, I got the, you know, when I got my new phone not so long ago, I got the iPhone X to 10 and you just hold it up to your face, which is frightening. It's frightening. I don't like it, but I do it because it's, it makes things easier. Like all my apps, all my secure apps and that kind of thing, my banking apps and all that, it's all run by facial identification. So... Yeah, it's amazing. You haven't read much into AI and how that is progressing, have you? I, I have, and that's why I'm afraid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I suppose if somebody knocked me out, took my phone, held my eyeballs open, and then held the phone up to me, maybe they could break into my phone. But for the most part, I think it's pretty safe. I don't think there's anybody out there that looks exactly like me. The doppelganger. You'd be surprised. Yeah. I've had somebody tell me about my, they said, my, yeah, I'm taking a trip in Florida. I said, hey, I saw your dad there. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> they took a picture of him. Well, it does kind of look like him. You know, uh, I could try like a photo of Danny Bonaducci. Hold that up there and see if, uh, you know, from uh, Partridge Family. Oh, yes. When I was a kid, people would well, you look like Danny Bonaducci. So, but. We'll see if that works. We have some similar... Or my brother. I should try one of my brothers and see if it works. Just to keep me safe. Just to make myself feel better about it. Well, you know. Yeah. Next time you see your brother, make it... Okay, try this with the phone. See if it works. Yeah, if he figures that out, that's no good. Um, (laughs) Anyway, I was very impressed. Way to go state government, I guess. Uh, We have a great show for you today. Our guests include Dana Lasecki. He is with the Friends of the Big Sioux River. And we'll talk about a major expansion of the cheese factory up in Lake Norton that we talked about the other day and how that affects everybody downstream, including Sioux Falls. The Buffalo Maiden is our weird friend of the day. Thea Miller-Ryan of the Outdoor Campus will make her weekly stop. She's got some information on moths she wants to talk about. And I'll have uh, the P&L statement just after the next break. Today's topic, uh, just trust me, it's it's, uh, important and it's personal. So there you go. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And it's 3.20 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO, and it's time for the P&L Statement here on the show where we talk about things in the news and uh, issues that are out there. And today I want to talk about a very big issue for society and for me that is highlighted um, in a couple of news events. One, this morning, uh, like everybody, I woke up to the fact that Anthony Bourdain had taken his own life in a hotel room in France. And if you don't know Anthony Bourdain, he was uh, a, a celebrity chef, uh, but he wrote a, a great book, uh, Kitchen Confidential, uh, that made him famous. 
uh, and then did a, a decade of television on uh, the Travel Channel and then on CNN, uh, Parts Unknown. And I loved Anthony Bourdain, um, not necessarily because I was a, uh, a big fan of uh, food. I mean, a fan of food, but I'm not a foodie. You know what I mean? I'm not like a cook. That's not what it was about. Um, and that's, that's something that happened today. Uh, but also, there was a report out this week about a huge increase in suicide rates over the past decade across this country, uh, and in particular in the upper Midwest, in South Dakota and North Dakota. In fact, North Dakota had the largest increase in suicide rates over the, from 1999 to 2016. And uh, South Dakota was at 44.5. We were in the, you know, the top quintile. Uh, Minnesota is right up there. Um, but the, the highest rates of suicide, increases in suicide, are across the uh, northern tier of the upper Midwest and into the West. And it's a, it's a, this is a serious issue for us and something that we are loath to talk about. Of course, also there was news this week of the suicide of Kate Spade, um, a famous uh, fashion designer. And, uh, you know, it's, it's proof that money and fame doesn't buy you happiness. Uh, but this isn't really about whether people are happy or not. Not for me. Um, few notes from this story from the New York Times. So the CDC had a press conference yesterday because their report was coming out. It's just coincidental, I believe. Uh, suicide rates rose steadily in nearly every state from 1999 to 2016, increasing 25% nationally. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention reported on Thursday. In 2016, there were more than twice as many suicides as homicides. Uh, CDC officials said the nation, national increase in suicide rates cannot be linked to a particular mental health diagnosis. Uh, as I said, North Dakota was at the top. Nevada was the only state in the nation where suicide rates declined. Social isolation, lack of mental health treatment, drug and alcohol abuse, and gun ownership are among the factors that contribute to suicide. Suicide is the 10th leading cause of death in the United States and one of three that is increasing. The other two are Alzheimer's disease and drug overdose, in part because of the spike in opioid deaths, said Dr. Ann Ashuchat, principal deputy director of the CDC. Firearms were by far the leading method, accounting for about half of suicides. That number has remained steady, however, over recent decades. Um, so it's, uh, the analysis found that slightly more than half of people who committed suicide did not have any known mental health condition, but other problems such as loss of relationship, financial setbacks, substance abuse, and eviction were common precursors, both among those who had mental health diagnosis and those who did not. Um, there's a quote here from Dr. David Brent, a professor of psychiatry at the University of Pittsburgh. I think that's very important. Uh, the reason most suicide decedents uh, don't have a known mental disorder is that they were never diagnosed, not that they didn't have one. And that's what I want to talk a little about today. I was talking about Anthony Bourdain. Um, I was a fan. I was drawn to his programs, not because I'm a big foodie, as I said, but I found a, a clarity in his observations of culture and society around the world. He had a wonderful talent for at once pointing out our uniqueness and our commonality around the world. Um, but I also liked him, was drawn to him, I think, because I knew his story, his struggles with addiction and mental illness. Because I feel a kinship in that commonality. Like many of us, I live with anxiety and depression. This is not to say that we are all the same, or I understand Anthony Bourdain, or have any particular insight into his death. Because just as Bourdain always so adeptly pointed out, for all of our commonality, we are still separate souls, wandering, if not the entire world, at least the world around us. He was just one person, one among millions, dealing with the complexity of our own brains. Some do it better than others. You know, and that's what I see in the CDC report. Suicide is rising. The first question always is why, and there's no answer. There are trends and theories. There are commonalities, but every person is different. What I know from my own experience is that mental illness is not something we talk about. Not really. We are not an enlightened society in this regard. I feel the shame and embarrassment. I don't tell people. 
until now, not many anyway, that I take medication, that I have experienced the existential crisis that lives in the dark corners of my brain. Because then people look at you differently. They change their idea of your skills and your capabilities. I have very good friends who stand by me no matter what. I don't know why. People I've known a long time. And there are others who, who don't for whatever reason, and I don't hold that against them. I've always known these things. I've spent my life keeping the anxiety I felt buried deep inside, just trying to cope. What I've learned in the past few years is that is the debilitating nature of the disease. Anxiety should have a different name because it sounds so benign that you're just anxious, right? It suggests like it's a temporary condition that you just deal with, like nerves at a starting line. But that's not it. Anxiety at its worst keeps you from trying anything, of doing anything that is new or outside the bounds of a small and insulated world. That's the way it is for me anyway. You just stop stepping outside the circle that you've drawn for yourself. It's like a fear, at times bordering on terror, that can pulse through your body. For most of my life, I didn't understand it or didn't want to accept it, that I needed help. I poured myself into work, into the news, until I finally broke down and couldn't do it anymore. I tell you this not for pity, and certainly not for any sort of attention, because like everybody else, I'd rather not talk about it. That's how I deal with it, even today. I'd just rather not. But we have to, to save ourselves. So I'm asking you, if these are your feelings or some version of it, find somebody to talk to. A family or friend is great, but that can also be terrifying. I understand that. Call a crisis line. In Sioux Falls, you can call 211. They're there for you. In much of eastern South Dakota, Rapid City, you can call 211. They're there for you. Get a therapist. There's no shame in it. Talk to your doctor, whatever doctor you go to. They understand. And in the wider sense, to each and every one of you, think about the people around you. Some of them are suffering, probably in silence. Offer help, but don't force it. I'm not an expert by any means, I'm just telling you what I think. Support people, even when it seems fruitless. Don't let them drive you away. Because at some point, everybody needs help. Don't wait. Don't wait until it's too late. That's the bottom line on today's PL statement. Agree or disagree with me, you can reach me. Patrick at KSO.com or on the Twitter at P. Lally Show. Coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, we'll talk with the Buffalo Maiden from the Black Hills Bureau. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. Girls in magazines, those lipstick bathing beauty queens are hard, but you don't see them, do you, dear? A waitress with a sweet tattoo She's gorgeous and in love with you uh-huh. 3.36 on the Patrick Lally Show Information 1000 KSOO And as we do most Fridays in the slot We bring in from her own parts unknown Way out there in the Black Hills Bureau The Buffalo Maiden Buffalo Maiden, what's it like out there today? Tell me everything's good Hey, I can hardly hear you. Are you there? Ah, here. I'm here. There you are. There you are. I know. It's uh, parts unknown, man. It's a, it's a sad day in the uh, restaurant business. Yeah, I was talking about Anthony Bourdain, and I don't know why that one... Uh, the news hit me hard. I'm, it just did. Um, this one, yeah, this one's a hard one. I, um, You know, he came out with this book, uh, which everybody knows, like Kitchen Confidential, back in, like, I think in 2000, mm-hmm. it came out really strong. It was on the bestseller hits um, or list or whatever. And I got to see him uh, speak uh, on the beaches. Uh, we were down in South Beach, Miami, and there was a little food event going on before there was the Food Network kind of thing. Yeah. And so Paula Dean was there, you know, with her butter cake, <laughs> yeah. uh, which uh, was just ridiculous. And... Um, <laughs> 
Uh, Rachel Ray was there cooking in a bikini because she thought that would be really fun. This is before <laughs> she was married and had children. And all these people were there. And then there was this one guy, Anthony Bourdain, who had a book. And he stood up in front of us, uh, maybe 100 people, and just with his Marlboros and his white shirt and his blue jeans and just kind of talked about uh, his experiences uh, from writing the book and what had happened to him since writing the book. And it's just been uh, fascinating to watch him throughout the years. And so it's, it's, uh, it is difficult. I mean, he was, he was the first person that told anybody to, when you go to a new restaurant, go to the bathroom first, because if they can't keep the bathroom clean, <laughs> can you imagine what the kitchen looks like? Yeah, you know? that's right. That's I mean, right. that's a learning lesson. You know, and obviously I came to him not through the book, but through, you know, television programs where he was traveling yeah. the world. It was, you know, it was about food, certainly, but he just developed this uh, insight on the world about people, you know, just by going to these places, you know, and meeting people. And it was amazing. Well, and it's his voice and this thing I still remember when he said, and, and uh, I have to quote him, but he said, uh, you know, vegans are the enemy of everything good and decent in the human spirit, um, which I totally just said this morning, um, because, it, you know, he had just this way of putting uh, what everyone thinks into words. And I don't know if it was all his uh, fun times that he had in New York City. I mean, that dude, he lived a life. Yeah, he did. And, and so when you read Kitchen, if you've never read it, you got to read it. Cause I should. The most disappointing thing for me was I never I never did any of that stuff. <laughs> I've been in this business like forty years, and I never had all. I mean, some of that stuff, but not that not a lot of what he did. Um, well, you, you were, know, I mean, I mean, this he just spoke the truth. I mean, he's the same guy that's going to say nobody understands the American dream more than a non-American. Um, you know, mm-hmm. and and it it it's he just kind of just put it right out there. I mean, he totally got the restaurant business. Uh, and. And the and the food as a uh, sort of cultural expression, which is not unique, but watching him experience it, you know, um, just yeah. all the different things that people eat, you know, and the idea that you just go and you just eat it and you don't ask. Yeah. And man, he ate it. <laughs> he and that Andrew Zimmerman, boy, they both two can just eat anything. I just... <laughs> And he ate it with a, you know, happily. Chris, I think happily. A lot of times he was inebriated, but um, yeah. which was fine. That would make anybody eat some of that stuff. Um, you know what was interesting you know, he, about him is that when you watch the shows, he's they're drinking all the time. And, oh yeah, he was. Yeah, and he would say, yeah. and he suffered. You know, he struggled with addiction, heroin, and cocaine, and all that. But he would say uh, that people always ask me, it, you know how can I drink like that all the time? He said, well, I don't drink like that all the time. I, you know, only when we're doing the show, I don't, but that, that was always impressive. Like, oh my God, they're just drinking all day. How do they do that? Of course it was over. The yeah. Especially time. when they sit down to do those Russian shots, you know, if they just vodka after vodka, there used to be this, well, there is this really great little restaurant in St. Paul, Minnesota, and it used to be really tiny and they would just bring shot after shot of uh, cherry vodka that oh. they made. And uh, it was so much fun. <laughs> it was so much fun those days. But, you know, life moves on. And, and I, the, you know, no reservations. I'm No regrets. Uh, whatever yeah. in the end, uh, whatever. But he had an incredible life, I think. Yeah. Uh, what's going on out in the hills? Anything? Oh, my gosh. We have the that UTV or UTI. Oh, that's still uh, coming? UTV. Rally is going on right now this weekend. Um, so it's just this sound all the time. Yeah, lots so they can just go out and make a lot of noise and tear up the, uh, you know, and scare the baby fawns. Oh, I think it's man. a fabulous idea. Um, so that's what's going on. Yeah. But mostly it's just kind of, you know, we're just hanging in there. It hasn't, uh, we've seen some tourism and, uh, you know, it's still kind of up and down. Yeah. We call it the cheap weeks, the people yeah. that can't afford the high, you know, when the hotel <laughs> that's rates go up. That's me. That's that'd right be you, wheelhouse. yes, yeah. that'd be you. You should be out here. I know. Well, the second time you can come then is the last two weeks of August. That's always the best. Right before, anyway. right before Labor Day. After all the kids are gone. Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. Uh, plug the restaurant. So. Plug the restaurant. Plug the restaurant, Sage Creek Grill, right here in Custer on Main Street. Uh, we've been here, gosh, almost as long as Kitchen Confidential's been out. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Uh, Buffalo yeah. Maiden, thanks a lot, and we'll talk to you very soon, okay? Okay, bye-bye. Coming up after the break, Thea Miller-Ryan is here from the Outdoor Campus. Uh, We're going to talk about moths. Should be fun. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000.
KSOO. Nothing but a pick on the side. 345 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And it's Friday, it's 345, so that means Thea Miller-Ryan is here from the Outdoor Campus, and we always look forward to this. Usually, Thea brings people with her, guests from various elements of the... Uh, 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 the, the DNR, outdoor world, the, yeah, yeah, the, the outdoor game fishing parks. Game fishing parks. I was going to say D E N R, and I knew that we don't <laughs> let those people in here. Oh, no, G F and P. We're friends with the G F and P, just like we're friends with the Parks Department with the city, but nobody that's else. Right. Um, wow. Oh, that's not true. That's not true. Oh, I have many friends at city government. Um, but she's here alone today, just which me. is actually, you know, it's a nice change. Well, yeah. thanks. You hardly thanks. ever get to talk. It's true, but I don't mind that. You're selfless, <laughs> yeah, right? You that's, like that's what it's about. Shine the light on <laughs> others' talents. Th- that is true. We have some really talented people that work for Game Fish and Parks. Uh, and she runs the outdoor campus and has for, gosh, since it opened, right? Yeah, since 1997 and actually a little bit before that, too. So. Oh, my. Yeah. Uh, and today uh, she comes to us with grave concerns, <laughs> grave concerns, about the moth invasion, <laughs> right? No, that, actually, no? a grand oh. excitement. Grand excitement. That's oh, right. Okay. I love moths. Yeah? Yeah. If if everybody will just go to the KSOO uh, Facebook page, they can look at a picture of a moth that you put on there for me today. It's a beautiful, beautiful moth. I know. People are calling us like crazy right now because um, they are hatching out and their people are finding them. Um, They're grieved out by uh, hatching moths. They, the deal? Like, well, they think it's some escaped butterfly from somewhere far away or from the <laughs> butterfly house or something because they're so big and they're so beautiful. Um, so but these, they're not butterflies. They're moths. They're moths. What is yeah. the difference? Oh, well, there, there's a big difference. Okay. Um, so butterflies come out of a chrysalis and moths come out of a cocoon. Chrysalis? Chrysalis (laughs) (laughs) and cocoon. Got it. What's the difference between a chrysalis Mm -hmm. and a cocoon? Well, a butterfly will hang upside down and it'll shed its skin and underneath it is what becomes the chrysalis and that's where they change into the butterfly. Now, a moth will spin. It will take like silken threads and spin it all around itself and create this beautiful and sometimes rough looking Mm -hmm. um, cocoon. And that's how, uh, where it changes, where its metamorphosis happens. That's amazing. It is. I didn't, I didn't know that. I'm stupid, I guess. But how come we have, we don't think of moths as beautiful creatures. We think of butterflies. Oh, look at the butterfly. Right. But in fact, moths, those are the things that eat your clothes. Right. That's what everybody thinks. They eat your clothes. Um, they bang into your lights at night. They're, you know, little things that leave dust all over. You hear a lot of smack talk about moths. And Don't I'm just be here talking to, smack about the right. moths. I'm here to clear it up. Moths are, can be really cool. The Miller Ryan, friend of the moth. <laughs> That's right. So these moths that people are calling us about, they're mostly polyphemus and cecropia moths. That sounds like you can get a shot for it. <laughs> you probably could, but um, <laughs> they're, they're gigantic. So like put two of your hands together. I mean, they're, they're big moths. Everybody out there, put your, unless put your you're hands driving, together, unless you're driving, your there you go. Yeah. And see how big these things are. They're huge, right? That's right. He's making flying <laughs> motions. <laughs> you can see it, right, Dan? <laughs> oh, God. So they're really big. But the neat thing about these is once they hatch out and people start, if they see them, they're really lucky in the first place because they're nocturnal. They only fly at night. And they only live for a couple days. Oh, man. And guess what? What? They don't have mouths. They don't even eat as a, as a moth. Well, then how come <laughs> we always say I got... I gotta put the mothballs. What, right. Well, what is that? There are some kinds of moths that oh, okay. do have mouths. Most of them don't. But these giant ones oh, that okay. people are seeing now um, don't have a mouth at all. So they never eat a bite. Their whole reason they they ate and ate and ate as a caterpillar, and they became these giant caterpillars that spun a cocoon around themselves. And now they're hatching out, and their only purpose is to mate and lay eggs. So those big green jobbers we see crawling yeah. around in the fall? Yes, the great big ones. Those are they become moths or butterflies? Moths. Okay. Yeah, they're big, like hot dog big. Yeah, right? they're kind of yeah. scary. Yeah. Like, they you have ever little see spikes uh, sticking out of them? What was that movie in the seventies? Bugs Life. No. no. Oh. <laughs> Bugs Life is God. 
this no. great moth that like, says, I'm a beautiful butterfly. I think it was Night of the Lepus, which was one of the famous <laughs> no. 70s movies where radiation turns all the animals into huge, and there's huge rabbits oh, everywhere. Gosh, I think I and do And this guy that. reaches into a thing, and he pulls out, and there's gigantic caterpillars. I'm going to have to watch that again. I think I remember that. Night of the Lepus. Lepus, which so it stuck with me. Lepidoptera hmm? means butterfly. L-E-P. Is that how they spelled really? it? Lepus. Uh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Probably. That's. Probably I think they called it, it lepus because there were rabbits. Oh, that's lupus. <laughs> Maybe that was. They it. better get their um, their Latin straight. It was the seventies. <laughs> And right. it was uh, weird horror movies. Um, so <laughs> these moths are coming out all over the place. So right. wait, wait. So the moth comes out, mm-hmm. right? And then it lays eggs after it's out of the of the cocoon. Out of the cocoon, yeah. So it has to mate first, of course. Yeah, we don't um, have much time. Right, right. There's so, no dinner involved. <laughs> no dinner. There, it is fast, no fast, mouth. fast. Right. Um, so why you know why don't dogs carry a uh, change? No thumbs. <laughs> good, good point. Excellent point. <laughs> these, so these moths are um, just searching for each other. And they can smell each other from four miles away. Get out. It's, it's yeah. big. It's big as my hands. Yeah, this is today I learned. So, so it's, it's this noise learned. and this noise. <laughs> sniffing. A lot sniffing of sniffing. Sniffing and flapping. And flapping. Serious pheromones <laughs> going on here. And they can lay hundreds. Serious, dead, serious pheromones. Serious pheromones, Dan says. Yes, it is. Pheromones, yes. They just smell it and then they're drawn together. Right. In the, in the great, and this is what's going on. Right now. Right now. Right so now. they're mating right now. Then they lay the eggs. And then they die. And then the eggs sit Boom. there until when? The eggs will hatch in about 10 days. Oh, okay. So then they, they overwinter as a cocoon. Oh. Mm-hmm. So that's why if you put a cocoon in your garage, it's time to get it out now because it's probably hatching. They oh. have to freeze. They have to get cold and spend the winter inside the cocoon. So then the cocoon comes out. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. I got to get this right. Okay. So uh, uh, caterpillar crawling right. on the ground in the fall. Yep. Gets in a tree. Spins a cocoon. Spins the cocoon. Yep. Sits there all winter. All winter. La-dee-da. Comes out. Uh, now-ish. Now-ish. Pops out of that bad boy. Right. And then a yep. couple of days. Yep. Mate, boom, lay eggs. Dead. Out, Ten days later, that caterpillar then is crawling around all summer. That's right. And they get big, big, big. And they get eaten a lot. The survival rate must be very <sighs> can low. Can you imagine eating one of those? I mean, they would be kind of juicy. I have a friend who eats moths. What? Now there's some... There, <laughs> May or may not have been uh, uh, some adult beverages involved, but I've seen him do it more than once where he would be standing there and there'll be people around, there'll be a big moth and he'll just reach up. And <laughs> <laughs> it always comes back to food for, to us for yeah, us, it does. doesn't it? Can you eat it? What's it taste like? <laughs> What's it taste like? Tastes like I, moth. I can't imagine eating a moth. That makes me feel a little sick. How about the nice tasty bird on a stick? <laughs> Dan's, Dan's gone a little wacky with the music back there. That was pretty good. I can't good. hear it. That was that from the Bugs Life. Uh, Bugs Life. Bugs Life. Bugs Life. Soundtrack. It was a great show. From now on, you have to wear headphones. Okay, I can That's do okay. that. Yeah. That's okay. We've gone off the edge. We've lost the theater of the mind right there. <laughs> Dang it. Um, well, that sounds fascinating. Can we come and see Moz over at the outdoor campus? Um, no, because we don't keep them. You oh, know, if people bring right. them into us, we tell them, hey, take those outside right now because they've only got a couple days left. Get so. them out there. They yeah. need to be. Yeah. Um, Butterfly House across the street from you guys. They do have um, some moths. They have a really cool moth called an atlas moth. There you go. That's similar to these. They're in the family Saturnidae, and they're great big. Yeah, they're really cool to see, though, because they have um, markings on them that make them look like snakes. Oh, wow. So it's a great predator defense. That's amazing. So mm-hmm. uh, if you really want to see some of these, we're going to plug the butterfly house a little bit. You can go Sorry. learn about the difference between a butterfly house and a moth or probably. Right. You can. Uh, well, yes. Or you can just go talk to uh, Thea. She knows it all anyway. <laughs> about butterflies and but- moths. Butterflies That's... and moths. <laughs> well, this has been very enlightening. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Thea Miller-Ryan, uh, she is executive director of the Outdoor Campus, and she comes in here every Friday to tell us uh, tales from the wacky and wild world of nature. Friends, don't eat bugs. Well, that's probably good advice. It is. (laughs) Thanks, Patrick. Thank you. We'll see you next week. You too. Coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters. We'll have a little weather. And then uh, we're going to talk to uh, Dana Lesky. He is with the Friends of the Big Sioux River. We're going to talk about uh, cheese. 
Yeah, just stay tuned. You'll figure it out. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. This is a public service announcement with Guitar. 358 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Going on right now, everybody. Legends for Kids. Free clinics are being offered for children ages 5 and up to improve their skills on the field. Started yesterday, going on today, and then tomorrow. Let's see, what's today? What's today? Uh, Legends Banquet out there at the Pentagon. Tomorrow, no, no, that was last night. Today it's soccer, hockey, football, all kinds of stuff. Tomorrow, basketball, tennis, and wrestling. Free lunch tomorrow at 11. Hang out there. It's cool. Coming up after the news and weather, we'll talk with Dana Lesky of the Friends of the Big Sioux River. Stay with us. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. You have the right to food money. 4.15 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. And I'm very happy to have back in the studio today because I like this topic a lot. It's the Big Sioux River and the health of it. Dana Lowski, he is uh, uh, a member of that organization and a, a what, do you, what do you call yourself? It's a, you know, it's a- Chairperson. A chairperson, okay, <laughs> that's a good, that's a good uh, uh, title. Um, uh, but the organization, Friends of the Big Sioux River, uh, remind us, before we get into some of these details, uh, Dana, tell us about the organization and uh, what, um, what your goal is here. Well, the organization is all volunteer organization, uh, comprised of uh, local citizens, businesses, organizations that uh, uh, unite around one thing. We they realize that as a community, we have to clean up the Big Sioux River, and it takes a community uh, to do it. It's not uh, one person's uh, responsibility. It's not one agency's responsibility. It's the entire community because uh, we all got to pull together uh, uh, to, to get this accomplished. And so. Um, uh, we formed about uh, three years ago, and uh, we're working towards advocacy on different issues and uh, awareness and um, making, hopefully making some progress on it. Yeah, and full disclosure, I'm a member, or I, I have been a member. I, I don't know if my membership is up to date. I got, I got some money here for you. No, I'm just <laughs> I've kidding. got an application. Yeah, too. good. Um, the, uh, I, I frankly believe in, in just that statement, um, and it's not something that there's really two sides to. You're, I don't think you can be against clean water, and especially when it comes to the Big Sioux River, which is winds through our city in such a serious way. Um, but the reason I wanted to have Dana in today is uh, uh, the uh, group recently made a statement concerning the uh, with concerns about a cheese plant up in Lake Norden and and an expansion uh, that would have them uh, processing two is it two. It's a it's two million ga- gallons of discharge a day right. of, of water, uh, but it's it's because they're expanding the capacity of the plant, which again is great. I mean, the dairy industry in this in this state is growing. The cheese part of that is huge. There's nothing wrong with that. But what are your issues, Dana, and the organization's issues with how this permit for the discharge is being uh, approached? Well, first of all, I'd have to say we don't have any issue with, with AgriPure itself. Uh, AgriPure is a dairy co-op based out of uh, uh, Quebec, Canada. Uh, it's got, I think it's about a $6 billion company. It has some 8,000 employees, uh, 3,400 or something co-op members. Uh, so they're, they're a good organization. They've got a good reputation in the dairy industry. And one of the key things in the dairy industry, if you're a dairy processor, I came out of it, is that you, the one thing you really want is abundant, clean, safe water for dairy processing. That's one of the most important things you have. So I really doubt that the uh, management of AgriPure ever anticipated that they were going to uh, do something that would uh, uh, send uh, uh, polluted water downstream to other communities when they rely so much on clean water themselves. And I don't think they'd want that reputation. They do a lot of things uh, uh, right. Um, you know, for example, they, um, uh, they've uh, really reduced their amount of uh, wastewater because of the way they process in their plants. They have the state-of-the-art technology to do that. Uh, they try and be environmentally as sound as possible. Their, their new headquarters is the LEED certified building. Uh, they, I know in some of their packaging, they've pioneered some ways of reducing the uh, thinness or the thickness of their, of the jugs that they use or the bags that they use in their, mm-hmm. in their cheese processing. And so that, uh, reduces their greenhouse gas emissions, uh, environmentally, they make all these statements on their website. So, you know, I think their heart's in the right place and they're doing the right thing. Uh, coming to, uh, Lake Norton or enlarging the plant in Lake Norton is great. 
uh, because uh, it, one, they're raising wages or they're increasing employment in that. And as you know, our rural counties really need that investment. So we have no qualms at all with, with AgriPure and what they're doing. I think our concern is the fact that as a state, we did not set the bar high enough for them. When you build a brand new plant, you, you plan that you're going to have your capital investment is going to take you out at a minimum of 10 years and 15 years before you're going to have to start, you know, uh, redefining your plant, remodernizing or whatever. And, uh, I, you know, the nutrient level in the state of South Dakota, there is no nutrient level for our waters, which means you can discharge all of you want, all the nutrients and nitrates, the phosphorus you want. There's nothing to stop that except where you have a drinking water standard. So, for example, from in the Big Sioux River, from Brookings County line south, we have a drinking water standard of 10 parts per million for nitrates. Because that's where rural water systems and start pulling water out of the aquifer and out of the river. The Sioux Falls used to pull a lot more water out of the river and the aquifer until we got Lewis and Clark water. But there's a lot of people that still drink that water. Right, and you still have the wells that, that draw that aquifer. So there mm-hmm. are times when the aquifer feeds the river and times when the river feeds the aquifer. So you don't want to have any contamination from, from surface waters getting into the aquifer and so on. North of Brookings County line, there is no uh, limit at all. So I think uh, the closest limit you'd have for nitrates would be 50 parts per million for, for uh, fish propagation. And what uh, AgriPure is going to discharge is in their permit uh, or in their documents say that they're going to be up to 34 to 37 parts per million. Well, that's three quarters of that standard right there. And that's three or four times the amount that's allowed for drinking water standard. So from our standpoint, uh, you're already endangering uh, drinking water standards. There are four rural water systems um, that in towns like Crooks, Baltic, uh, Renner, uh, so forth, that pull their water from uh, aquifers there that have high nitrates in the aquifer already. They then take, uh, blend that water with low nitrate water from the river. So now if you're starting to increase the nitrates coming downstream, that will allow them, no, no longer allow them to blend that and get, provide safe drinking water to 60,000 customers that they provide uh, water to today. So when you look at the public good, I would say having safe drinking water for 60,000 people outweighs, you know, having a cheese processing plant that is going to put, you know, a few people to work and raise wages in the area, that's great. But at the same time, it should not endanger uh, drinking water for other people. I mean, it's a private enterprise versus a public good. Dana Loski, he is uh, the chairman of uh, the Friends of the Big Sioux River. Um, and we've been talking about this uh, plan to expand the Lake Norton cheese plant. This is my question, though. And you're, you know, you don't set these policies. I understand that. But that doesn't make any sense. Why is there one standard above the Brookings County line and another standard below the Brookings County line? It's primarily because of domestic water supply. That's it. that's a standard that has to be set. If you get over 10 parts per million, you endanger public health. But why isn't that the same? Why isn't the same standard all the way up to uh, the mouth of the Big Sioux? That's a, that's a good question. I, w- I would act, In our commentary, we've actually said it's time that we set that standard for all the way up the Big Sioux River. Uh, that is the safest standard that you'd have for, as far as drinking water. It's 10 parts per million. That's what the EPA sets it at, and that's really what our standard should be because it, it magically doesn't get cleaner as you go further Well, the Big Sioux is just not that. There's not that much water there. No, no. Especially in the summer. In the summer, the, the amount of discharge that will come out of the AgriPure plant will amount to, during the, some of the low-flow months, it will amount to over 50 to 60, even at times 70% of the water that will be in that um, in the Big Sioux River up in that area. So you do not want to concentrate a lot of nitrates in that area. Then, Patrick, if you combine that with the nitrate runoff from agriculture, from uh, the increased tile drainage, you know, you just can't continue to use the Big Sioux as a sewer because it, it has a limit. You know, uh, when this Clean Water Act was passed, uh, we had 60,000 people here. Now mm-hmm. we have a quarter million people. Mm-hmm. You had several million more acres in the Big Sioux um, uh, watershed in grasslands. And now it's in corn and soybeans, and that which gets fertilizer. So you're adding more nitrates, you're adding more fertilizers, you're, you're adding much more pressure on that river system. But the river is still the same size as it was when the Clean Water Act was passed. We just can't continue to degrade the river. At some point, we've got to stop, and we've got to say enough is enough. And there's a lot of, uh, as you say, you're talking about the increased tile, use of tile and the move towards more row crops has increased the, uh, just the level of uh, chemicals and stuff. But nitrates, in and of themselves... Why, why do we worry about nitrates? It's, 
it's because of young children primarily, right? It's, or is it everybody? It's young children, and uh, you get the blue baby syndrome. Mm-hmm. You have pregnant mothers or pregnant women have um, uh, issues with it. Uh, the city of Des Moines, for example, uh, they, Iowa has a, a, a nutrient standard set, and they have to lower it to that level, and they could not lower They had to... Their taxpayers are paying a lot more money to take the nitrates out of the water. I think I saw this. That they had to pony up $15 million yes. um, to increase their ability to pull the nitrates out. But that's because the level of nitrates coming down the Des Moines River has gone up. Yes, it was tremendously high. Same, tremendously high. same thing. Yes, exactly same thing. That's amazing. Uh, We're going to come right back and we're going to talk more with Dana Loski uh, about these issues concerning water quality in the Big Sioux River and why it matters to you. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Four thirty-two on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we return to our conversation with Dana Loski. He is the chairman of the Friends of the Big Sioux River, which is a uh, local volunteer nonprofit organization that is fighting for and uh, advocating for cleaner water and better water quality up and down the Big Sioux River. And we've been discussing the uh, plans to expand a cheese plant up in Lake Norton owned by Agripore. Agripore. Agripure. Agripure. I, I don't know why I can't say that word. I could. I struggled with it all day the other day. Agripure. There we go. I got it. That's my apologies to the company. Uh, and it's a big cooperative out of uh, Quebec. But the issue here is uh, what they are discharging into the water and the plans to have 2 million gallons of water from the plant uh, into the Big Sioux River and how much nitrate and nutrient should be allowed to be in that water. Now, we've been talking about the plant but this, and we're going to get to sort of agriculture and the culture a little bit in general, but I want to talk a little bit about the city. Um, the city has been doing, the city's not, you know, sort of uh, uh, blameless, it, you know, for lack of a better term, in the uh, issue of water quality, but the city's been working real hard to try and do its part. Is that fair to say? Very fair to say, yeah. Um, give me some sense of, of some of the things that the city, beyond the buffer strips, which everybody sees. Well, I think the biggest expansion you can look at is, I remember a few years ago when we had the, um, uh, the heavy rainfall and the uh, storm sewers uh, bled into the sanitary sewers, you sent raw sewage downstream. Mm-hmm. And the city since then has invested, uh, uh, I mean, well into the $150 million range uh, in their sewer systems, upgrading it so that that does not happen again. I mean, it can still happen if you have a huge rainfall, mm-hmm. but uh, they have done, we as taxpayers, because yep. we're the city, have invested a lot, and it's good planning by the city. So that's a huge investment so that the cities downstream, you know, Akron, Canton, and so forth, uh, get clean water and have a cleaner river. Another thing they've done is really invested in a lot of this Big Sioux River watershed project that's uh, sponsored by a number of organizations from uh, different um, county conservation districts, uh, the East, East Dakota Water Development District, the DNR, the EPA, uh, and quite a bit of the money. Matter of fact, most of the funding comes from the city of Sioux Falls for the way they've invested and saved on interest rates. They put that money back into this fund to help uh, put buffer strips upstream on Skunk Creek or up on the Big Sioux to reduce the amount of E. coli coming off from um, uh, cattle operations or from uh, uh, erosion from um, uh, cropping and that. And that's worked tremendously, and, and uh, they continue to invest in it. So those are some of the things that, that Sioux Falls has invested in. And, and, and frankly, from a taxpayer standpoint, I think it's kind of a slap in the face for the DNR to say uh, to Sioux Falls, after all their investment, to say, hey, it's okay to put this plan up here uh, because, uh, you know, it meets the current standards when their standard is so artificially high that it's, it's really not a, a good benchmark to even look at. It really is because for years when people in Sioux Falls would say, there are issues with uh, non-point source pollution and different things upstream. People would say, well, you know, look at the plant. Look at Morels. Look at what you did. Look at this. Look at this. The Morels has done a lot to upgrade their system. The city has spent, as you said, hundreds of tens of millions of dollars, at least, to try and improve the water quality. It's time, in my brain, that the state step up. What is, when you hear these things, uh, Dana Lowski, who is chairman of the Friends of the Big Sioux River. When you hear, when you talk to people with state government or other uh, uh, 
key stakeholders up the river. What do you hear? I mean, why can't we get the state on board with some of this stuff? Well, if you look at the, the DNR's uh, uh, website, right in their very first paragraph in their mission statement, they say that they're here to protect the public health and the, and the natural resources of South Dakota. In the sentence above it, they say they want to make this an easy place to do business in the state of South Dakota. My contention is you can do both. Mm-hmm. You can protect the public health, you can protect the public resources for the future generations to enjoy, and you can bring economic development in here. But this is, to me, the agri-pure is one of the first chances for them to really prove that you can do this. I mean, you mentioned non-point source pollution, mm-hmm. and non-point source pollution is, is hard to because, like I said, it comes from a lot of different places, so you've got to chase over a, a lot of different sources. You gotta, uh, it, it's just a thousands different. It's like death by a thousand paper cuts. Mm-hmm. And so you're always chasing that. Well, here's a point source pollutant that you can stop at the very beginning before it even starts by having the right standards set and asking the company to do the right thing at the very beginning. But if you're a company and you're not told to do the right thing or you're not required to do the right thing, you're probably not going to invest in it. So I think it's really up to our state government, uh, you know, the secretary uh, of the DNR, to say, yeah, I think this is the right thing for us to do. I think we, we erred on this case, and, and we need to relook at this and, and uh, reissue or, or put some more requirements on that permit. So what stage are we at with the permit? Because you have submitted your uh, comments to the DENR, and I talked about that on the show the other day. People can go uh, find those. But wh- wh- where, what stage are we in here? What's happening? Well, I think, uh, and when you put in commentary, the DNR from then, I think this, if I'm correct, the next steps would be, A, they could convene a hearing. Uh, they could uh, call maybe some of the com- com- uh, commenters and ask them, would you like to have a hearing? Two, they could um, continue with the permit, you know, say, all right, well, we looked at your comments. We don't, you know, really think that holds a whole lot of uh, a weight, so we're going to go ahead with our original intentions. Or three, they could go back to, to the uh, company and said, yeah, we're going to re-looked at, we re-looked at this thing and we made a mistake and we should be doing this or we want to make some changes to it. And I think that's really what we would like to see is let's look at that again and, and let's make some changes. Again, AgriPure is not the villain on this thing. They're doing the right thing. What we want to do is, is basically say we just need to hold their feet to fire. They don't want to be a bad you know, actor in this state. They want to start things out right. And so we just need to be a little bit uh, tougher and set the bar a little bit higher than what we have today. So they don't have a permit yet. Is that true? They have a, uh, no, they do not have, a, they have been issued a permit, but it's a, I guess you would call it a conditional permit. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, so I think we're kind of in that wait and see stage. Have they, they haven't started the construction or anything like that on the expansion? I don't, I haven't gotten an update on that. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I think they have, but I don't think it's to the point where you're going to be able to, uh, where it's, it's probably more foundational and things mm-hmm. like that at this point. So what, what you're asking is to, for them to do this. So they're going to put out, uh, put 2 million gallons a day of wastewater into the Big Sioux River that is treated. I, it's not untreated. Right. It's treated to take out the uh, solids. You right. know, if there's particulate matter in there that's part of the cheese making process, I'm sure they have to pull that out. It's, it's, the, it's the sort of uh, uh, chemical nutrient. It's a... a, a how do you explain that? It is it is it is carbon based matter that is that is uh, 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 nitri- nitrates right? right and and other uh, variations on the, the the organic compound of nitrates. So, what do they do? What do they have to do to get those out? What else would you like them to do? Well, again, I'm not a, I'm not a chemist. I'm not clearly. A, I'm not either. I'm not a scientist. <laughs> But I believe there's a stage, another stage that could be added uh, that is um, an, a, called an oxygen tank or something that, that you could go from their, their three stages of treatment right now mm-hmm. into this oxygen tank, and that would lower the, the nitrate level to the point where you could then uh, release that into the Big Sioux River and be safe. It's certainly available technology. Yes. It's not miracle technology. It's just going to cost more money. Right, right. So... And again, I think you got to look at what's going to come down the road for us is that um, eventually there's going to be a nutrient level. Yeah. And our wastewater plants, whether it's Watertown, Brookings, yeah. Sioux Falls, whatever. And I want to talk about more. I want to talk more about Sioux Falls here in a minute because okay. you've got some interesting information on that. We're going to come right back and continue the conversation about clean water and why we should have it on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. For one last pack of strings. 444 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 
And we're talking about Big Sioux River quality and how we need to make it better with Dana Lowski. He is chairman of the Friends of the Big Sioux River and uh, a return guest on this program. Thanks for thanks for coming back, by the way, Dana. I appreciate it. Thanks for it. inviting me. Um, so we have talked about uh, the, the cheese plant up in Noik Norden and the permit to uh, expel more water uh, and uh, the nitrate levels and, and that they aren't having to meet a, a standard. But there's, uh, they're not the only uh, people, organization, system that's got challenges ahead. Um, I'm very interested. You, you, off air, we've been talking about this, the, the federal level, recommended level for nitrates in water is 10 parts per million, right? Correct. Is that right? Correct. Um, South Dakota doesn't have that standard even for uh, municipal wastewater discharge, correct? Correct. So what are, Sioux Falls is going to have a problem, right? right? If you look further down the road, the, the city of Sioux Falls is in, in their long-range plan realizes at some point there will be a nutrient level set and their wastewater, the wastewater they discharge from their wastewater treatment plant, whether it's Sioux Falls, Brookings, Watertown, whatever, will have to hit that 10 parts per million or, or, or thereabouts. Today, a wastewater plant will, as the water is released from the wastewater plant, could be in that high 20s to low 30 parts per million. Mm. Uh, what you have to weigh the fact there is that you're actually serving the public good. I mean, you, you've got quarter million people putting you know, waste through the through the uh, Sioux Falls wastewater treatment plant. And uh, so I think you, you have to understand that. But the, even then, they realize that they can ha they're going to have to make changes and investments. And uh, they actually have plans on the board that at some point, uh, probably the biggest project they'll ever undertake in the city of Sioux Falls under taxpayers alone, that uh, they will have to upgrade their, their water treatment plant to take nitrates out. If we want to continue to have safe water to drink for throughout the country. Uh, and it's just not South Dakota, it'll be all over the country that has to do this. Patrick, if you go back and look at when the Clean Water Act was passed, they also passed a tremendous amount of funding that allowed these municipalities across the country to build and upgrade new wastewater treatment plants. Well, now all these wastewater treatment plants have aged to the point where they need to be replaced or updated. And we don't have the political will at this point to say, hey, it's time for us to invest in our infrastructure. And it, it really starts with clean water. I mean, and uh, so that's something we're going to have to face. So, uh, but at some point, Sioux Falls is making plans. I'm sure there's other cities are also making plans. I think if you looked at Dallas, um, you'll look at one of the things that they did wrong. They went to the city council last year with a plan. It was far underpriced what it was going to cost them. And the city council said, go back and look at it again. And uh, and they realize the costs are going to be tremendous for for to do this. So in where in Dallas, Texas. Oh, Dallas, Texas. Okay. So uh, uh, we're not uh, we're not the only city that's going to face something like this. Well, we talked about Des Moines earlier, and Des Moines is a very similarly placed community in that it has a river going through that that flows two rivers. That's right. They've got the east and west branch there, and flows through and drains out a whole bunch of agricultural country. Correct. Right. Um, we face these issues in terms of federal regulation, uh, but it seems to me that what we're doing, Governor Dugard put in a voluntary buffer strip program that farmers can get money to to put land into buffer strips. But my understanding is it's not particularly popular. It's not that it's not popular. It's just the fact that it's not that big an incentive, mm. and it's kind of cumbersome because you have to apply for it every year. Mm. And there's a lot of paperwork to do it. So if I were a landowner, I would probably say I'd sign up for it if I didn't have to do it every year. Uh, but it's not that big a, uh, big a saving. So what we really have to do is there is there another way that we can incentivize them in addition to that tax savings uh, that would entice people to do it. So that's one of the things that we have to work on. Did, and you've talked about political will in terms of the federal government. It seems to me that we continue to face a huge political will problem in terms of trying to have the mindset that clean water is important and that, yes, agriculture does contribute to this. Not that agriculture is bad. Agriculture is great. Uh, uh, animal meat production, fantastic. We live, this is how we live here, okay? Why can't the state of South Dakota adopt just a better attitude towards understanding we need clean water? What's wrong with us? 
you know, I, I've never met anybody, Patrick, in South Dakota that's against clean water. It's just who wants to be responsible for cleaning up the, the water to get to that state. And, and everybody likes to point the finger at other people when it's really, if you live in a big Sioux River watershed and you drive a car and you have a lawn or if you farm, you're responsible for some degradation. That There's no way that we'll ever get back to what it was before the settlers came mm-hmm. out here. But we can get to that point where the water is safe, uh, the water can be reused, and we can have a river that we can be proud of and still have a healthy economy. We just have to have the political will to do that. And you made the statement, regulations, federal regulations. You know, I really don't like that statement because mm-hmm. I really think it comes down to, do we want to have clean water? Do we want to live safely? I mean, you can say it's regulations, but it really comes down to, do we want to have a society that we can live together at? And that's really what we have to agree on. Well, and, and but you know this will become the issue. Oh, the federal government is in here. It'll become a fight. We'll probably sue the federal government to not have clean water, which is the ultimate cutting off your nose to spite your face. Uh, but when you have these conversations with state officials, what what do you hear from people who have actually have our, our decision makers and policymakers in terms of clean water issues? What what How do they justify this? I don't think anybody disagrees that clean water is a goal. It's just how do you get there and, and who's going to pay for it. And, uh, uh, you know, the will is there. You know, the governor was definitely uh, behind the issues. I think most of the state legislators are there. Uh, I really think the DNR has, has a tremendous amount of talent and, and good people working for it, and their heart's in the right place. I just think we need to have a change in attitude and say, and, and I kind of look at this agri-pure as kind of lying in the sand. This is a chance for us to finally say, yeah, let's do things right. Let's not have another permit where you allow uh, a meat processing plant to have buku uh, nitrates released into the into the big Sioux River. Let's set the standard right when someone comes in here, and let's let that company trust us that they were a good place to do business because we were up front with them right at the very beginning, not putting it off and saying, well, somewhere down the road, but we don't tell you about that right now. <laughs> well, and, and as you made the point you made earlier, either they're going to do it or the taxpayers are going to do it. Yeah. Right. Because those, and we didn't really talk about the rural water systems, but the, there's several rural water systems upstream from us who are just as against this as friends of the big city. Right. You know, you're not just a bunch of wacky environmentalist tree huggers over there. You're just, they're, they're people who have to serve water to people. And we're citizens. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, how do I join the effort to uh, support the mission of Friends of the Big Sioux River? Dana, where, where do I go? What do I do? Tell me how to engage. Well, you can go to our website, uh, uh, which is friendsofthebigsuerriver.org, uh, and, and uh, there's a place where you can join and you can uh, make contributions. Or if you just want to uh, help us out with some in-kind contributions, whether you're uh, someone that's in the uh, marketing area or if you're just someone who wants to volunteer their labor. And, you know, we're gonna, one of the projects we've got going right now is downtown. We're uh, restoring, along with the uh, City Parks Department, a segment of the river into a prairie restoration educational project and show what buffers can do. And so we'll need some help there actually doing some weeding, pulling thistles and things like that. And picking Even I trash. can do that. Yeah, so <laughs> so, so uh, we, we welcome everybody. So, uh, um, And you got really cool stickers. That's right. <laughs> uh, Dana Lowski, he is chairman of the Friends of the Big Sioux River, and we love having him on the show because he knows what he's talking about. Dana, thanks as always. Thank you very much, Patrick. We'll be back to finish up here after a, a very short break. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Maybe the sun will shine today. The clouds will blow away. 456 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Maybe I won't feel so afraid. I will try to understand either way. That's Wilco, either way, and uh, I play that for you because. It's important to me and everything we've been talking about today. So I wanted to use that as we go out here. It's been, it's been quite a show for me, and uh, I appreciate you all out there listening. 
Coming up tomorrow, Festival of Cultures, 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. at the Coliseum, 515 North Main Avenue. Enjoy the sights, sounds, and tastes from around the world. Free admission. For more information, go to the events calendar at ksoo.com. Jeff Tweedy and Wilco. Jeff has quite the story as well, and it shows in his music. This is off an album called Sky Blue Sky, and one of my all-time favorite records. I play this song a lot on the show, just little snippets of it here and there. But it's a beautiful, beautiful song, so I thought I'd play a little more of it for you here today on a Friday afternoon. A beautiful, beautiful day in the best little city in America. And that's a phrase that's been with me for a long time. Coming up on Monday, I want you to remember our guests will be, we'll talk to Peer Native, Augustana graduate and filmmaker Andrew Keitlinger about his recent film, Tater Tot and Patton, and his burgeoning career in film. Also, City Councilor Teresa Staley will be with us to talk about public input at city council meetings. And the common man is my weird friend of the day and also one of my best friends. So it's always good to talk to the common man. But until then... Everybody, you know, have a great weekend. We'll be here for you when everything comes back on Monday. Be safe. Be nice to each other. Do it for me, okay? Just remember. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Everything.